Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or SoundCloud to get it automatically. If you like the Stitcher app, you can find it there as well. It would be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post any of the videos that we talk about on today's episode. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com. And I'll get back to you in a timely fashion. Let me remind you that Philly Sketch Fest is returning May 29th to June 2nd, 2019. The Sketch Comedy Film Festival is returning on Wednesday, May 29th, and you can submit your short film or video sketch at myfirstsketch.com slash film. And then we'll have four nights of live comedy in three different venues. And if you haven't heard, for the first time ever, we'll be running multiple stages on the same night. More live comedy than ever before. Submit your live act at myfirstsketch.com slash apply. And finally, if you want to help out, whether it's before the festival, in the box office, or in the green room, let us know at myfirstsketch.com volunteer. More and more information will roll out as we get closer to the shows. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to turn our attention to our friends at the Toronto Sketch Fest and highlight some of the acts performing there. Today's guest is pretty cool to me because they were performing after the pilot of my first sketch when we did it live for the first time at Philly Sketch Fest a couple years ago, and they actually hung out and watched the show. So we all head to Edmonton today because today's guest is Robin Slack, currently a member of Success 5000 and the sketch team, the Debutantes. Instead of a traditional first sketch, Robin offered an early song within the Success 5000 catalog called Your Song. So have a listen to Your Song. That it's true. God damn, I think I'm falling. I think I'm falling for you. Cause my heart it's beating faster, just a little faster than it was at the start. It's a disaster because it probably means I'm in love with you. Yes, I'm in love with you, and it sucks. Does this mean that I gotta buy you flowers or start taking showers? Cause that sounds so lame. And you can just forget it, cause I don't have good credit and I'm so broke. I can't take you out to dinner or shop for seats of dinners to wear when I meet your foes. So we should probably just ignore it, cause I really can't afford to be in love with you. And yet I'm in love with you and it's us. I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you. Yes, I'm in love with you. What the fuck? I just got my room set up the way I like it, and I don't wanna move all your shit in here, cause it'll fuck up my feng shui, and that's not okay. No. And what if we bought a goldfish together at a carnival or something, and then we broke up? That would suck. 
girl. This is the part of the song where I would tell you how wonderful and beautiful I think you are. But I'm not going to do that this time. Because I have a very small bathroom, and the counter is like 98% is your shit. Lots of moisturizers. I don't know what those are. I can't, like, I can't even find my toothbrush. I, I haven't brushed my teeth in weeks. Hey, Robin. How's it going? Uh, so tell me about the song. Tell me about, like, where did this idea come from? Um, yeah, I, I think we just kind of landed on the idea of uh, uh, that, that contradiction of uh, uh, writing a love song that's just going on and on about uh, how all of the negative aspects and how inconvenient and terrible it is to be in love uh, and thought that was a rich comedic vein to, to dive into. Um, it's definitely, definitely a little amateurish We're uh, we're still kind of figuring out what we're all about on this one, but, uh, but yeah, I think there's, there's promise in there. Yeah. Like, and it's funny cause I would, whenever I think about it, like you always have to remember that, like, you're not just like dating the girl or the boy or whoever. There's like this entire new world that you're being introduced to of like new family and their friends and all their stuff that's coming with them yeah exactly well and i think uh uh, we we like the idea of this kind of uh, it almost turns into a justification by the end of a song of like it it sounds less like legitimate complaints and more like well it's it's fine that i don't have anybody because listen to all how inconvenient it would be i don't even want to date anyone kind of thing Uh, just the so, idea yeah. of a, a hairdryer and stuff in the bathroom is just oh ugh, god who has time for much. that no i'm i'm fine alone <laughs> <laughs> um so how did you and josh your partner in uh, success 5000 meet how like how did you guys get together uh we actually we we went to high school together in this tiny little town in british columbia called chetwind uh and yeah we met each other through uh the community radio station which uh it was a town that was much too small. Like it was a town that was too small to have a McDonald's uh, and somehow had uh, an original community radio station that, that did original programming 24 hours a day. Uh, so in order to keep that going, they had to just kind of like they paid a DJ for the daytime. And then as of 6 p.m., anyone could go on the radio uh, and you didn't get paid, but you could have a show. So Josh oh, and nice. I, as teenagers, both had had terrible uh classic rock radio shows uh where i just like played as much acdc as they would let me because that was my <laughs> musical taste at the time uh yeah so we met each other through doing these these radio shows and uh kind of i, I like to describe it as like for the longest time we we knew we wanted to collaborate but we just kept not quite figuring out how that should work we tried to write a comic book together and that wasn't quite right and we tried to make some flash cartoons because it was the early 2000s uh Damn. that was also not quite the right fit probably because neither of us knew how to make flash cartoons uh, <laughs> that, was, that was a big factor uh and then finally we stumbled onto the musical comedy thing and it was it was supposed to be sort of an ironic endeavor that we just both started caring about way too much and taking way too seriously and were you always a uh, musician like yeah, so I, well, myself, yeah, I, I've been uh, like I, I started guitar lessons when I was seven years old, and and now I I teach lessons. I went to post secondary for music, uh, and Josh 
I don't think ever, I think he might've taken a month of guitar lessons or something. Like he's never been uh, big on the musical side of things, but has, has always been very into comedy so that we, we kind of each brought our own background to it and, and kind of crossed over. All right, let's get into the comedy. What were you into growing up? What made you laugh? Uh, oh man, that's such a big question. Uh, I was a diehard Simpsons kid. Uh, that was like, my, my folks were uh, were pretty uh, laid back on, uh, you know, they didn't have a ton of strict rules, but there was a few shows like South Park that I wasn't allowed to watch, but somehow Simpsons was was kosher. And uh, so that was, yeah, shaped a ton of my comedic sensibility, which I'm very happy for. I'm grateful yeah. for that. Uh, I remember s- slowly getting into Monty Python as I was growing up, uh, like Holy Grail got me right away. Uh, and then the flying circus was like a little too out there for me for a long time. And it took a while to, to kind of come around on. Um, but yeah, they definitely were, were a big influence as well. And then, yeah, I feel like once the, the internet became a thing, which is a weird (laughs) sentence to be able to say, but, uh, once, once we had internet, uh, yeah, online sketch comedy, things like picnic face just blew my mind. I was, I was such a big fan of, uh, of their early stuff on, uh, on YouTube. Uh, anything specific about Picnic Face? Because I've heard different people bring them up, and I've, I'm not as familiar with Picnic Face as I probably should be. Uh, they're wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it's probably your Canadian guess because they are uh, they're based out. Of I think Canada. so. I think it has been yeah. like the uh, the group from uh, like Marvin Barry. Yeah, yeah, that and, makes total uh, sense. Maybe Cameron from Toronto, probably. Yeah, they're wonderful. Like uh, the uh, one guy, Mark Little, is uh, is a big uh, part of, or was a big part of Picnic Face, and is now kind of blowing up. He's got a new new sitcom coming out now, and has also done like stand up on I want to say Tonight Show or Conan. He did stand up on Conan, uh, so he's kind of been taken off. But yeah, they're uh, they're a more recent generation of uh, Canadian sketch comedy uh, that I feel like had a huge impact on apparently just Canadians. It doesn't sound like they crossed over very much, but. Uh, I'd highly recommend uh, checking out anything they've done. Yeah, uh, trying to think of a favorite sketch, and that's so hard to narrow down. Gun Genie, <laughs> check out Gun Genie. Gun Genie, Gun Genie, like regiment, rub a magic lamp, and a genie will give you a gun. Uh, rub a gun, and and a genie will oh. give you a oh, wish. Okay, okay. <laughs> other way around. Okay, cool. It's cool. uh, yeah, it uh, it's defies uh, classification, but it's a very good sketch. Um. Uh, yeah, the other the other big one I feel like in early internet was uh, was Derek comedy, which was Donald Glover's uh, mm. early endeavor. That it just blows my mind that like that he's the biggest star in the world and is you know in the <laughs> Han Solo movie and and dropping This Is America and I'm like I remember watching just the dumbest comedy videos that were like yeah like such you know the quality level uh, yeah just it was it was like college kids making sketch comedy in their in their apartments and stuff and it's so weird to think of how far his career has carried him um yeah it's it it gives me hope i feel like (laughs) (laughs) yeah like i i feel odd because like as much as i love comedy i completely feel like i skipped over a ton of like the internet like the early internet sketch comedy that was out there like i didn't know about Derek comedy until like two seasons into community oh yeah yeah, like, I think that it got a lot of attention in retrospect, right? As he started to blow up, people were like, did you know he has a whole thing? Yeah, like, I, <laughs> he had a movie come out with Derek, and yeah, yeah, I didn't know about anything after, like, before that. It was like, oh, oh, yeah. there's more to this? Oh. And I'm trying to think of how I discovered any of this stuff, because I, I don't feel like I was a 
particularly like culturally savvy kid. There must have been, <laughs> I feel like just, yeah, people pass stuff along to me as I went. Uh, yeah, that's, that's weird <laughs> to think of like back in those days. Cause there wasn't like, no one had a Facebook account or anything. How was I, who was I talking to? Where was I getting these influences from? Yeah. Oh, um, on my space. <laughs> <laughs> I ask everybody, uh, and I think it's a little bit different since you're Canadian. I don't know if Saturday Night Live translates up there oh, yeah. as much, but like, do you have a favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I, we have arguments about this in my sketch comedy group all the time because we have a couple of people it. who are diehard SNL fans and, and I am not <laughs> kind of, I don't okay. know. I, I, I'm not the, the biggest fan. Um, I feel like a lot of the time it's, uh, it, it gets a lot of love for being this institution and for, for being able to pull off an amazing live show every week, which is in itself a, a huge feat. Like I, I total respect for what they do, but I also feel like a lot of the times that, uh, that the sketches end up being a little bit, I don't know. Anyway, I don't want to rip on Saturday night live too hard. I'm trying to think of what the, my favorite cast member would be though. And like, and I, I like Mike Myers. I got to back my Canadian representation on the show. Okay. So I, I, I would probably go with that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I always ask like when I talk to Canadians, cause I've talked yeah. to a couple, uh, is there something within the Canadian comedy sphere that you would recommend Americans hunting down and looking for? I mean, I, I would say kids in the hall, if that, I, I don't know how much that translates over either, but like, I, I feel like they would be the most known of, of the Canadian sketch world. Sure. Yeah. Uh, like, like they're the most known. So I'm yeah. looking for something like more, cause like Canadian, like Canadian stuff, like does come down every once in a while. Like uh, right now, the big Canadian import is Shit's Creek. Oh Yeah. Which I like. I don't know how big it is, but it has a cult following for sure down here. Yeah, it's. I, I I'm not sure how big it is here even because it's like definitely a huge marketing presence for it. But I don't know a ton of people who actively watch it. Yeah, and it's just kind of like, a thing we're all aware of. They're like, all right, Eugene Levy's in that show, and and like, it, it sounds like it's better than its name would have you think <laughs> right, it would right be. exactly like uh, there's a, there's definitely a cachet of like oh eugene levy and kathleen kathleen o'hara oh that's definitely a, an okay thing no matter yeah, what yeah, yeah what's everything else about it but like <laughs> and what's eh, it called shit's creek huh yeah. that's that's what they landed on <laughs> um okay canadian comedy i mean i i blew it already but picnic faces uh is definitely one worth checking out go back and, mm -hmm. and dig through those archives if you can get your hands on it they did a crowdfunded movie uh called roller town uh that was uh yeah like i i don't know exactly how to describe it like a, a step up style dance movie except all about roller disco uh okay. and it was a wild uh, mess of a movie that they funded completely through like Kickstarter and stuff. They got a very, very limited theatrical run in some Canadian movie theaters. Uh, and I don't know if it exists on like streaming services or anything. I have a, a downloaded copy that I snagged from somewhere when it was up. Uh, but yeah, uh, I would roller town is, is my recommendation for American audiences. <laughs> nice. Um, because like the other things that have come down from Canada and I, I obsess about it cause it was like, uh, there were two shows that came down and like played on our public television when I was growing up, and it, like they both fascinated me. Uh, the one was called in the Industry, which I believe was actually called Made in Canada. Yes. Okay. There. Yeah. Absolutely. Rick Mercer. Yeah. And it was one of those show. like like one of those first shows that was single camera, like shot like a drama, but very funny. Like 
yeah kind of like in that like sports night vein and i i really dug it and then the second one and i'm obsessed and i i'll ask every comedian every canadian i talk to ever about it mm-hmm. the red green show yes yeah that's that's an institution like like <laughs> like is 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 like as much of an like is it really that big of an institution to it like I, I feel like it's one of those things that just like I, I don't know a ton of people who are gigantic fans of of the Red Green Show, but like you're not going to run into anyone who hasn't heard of it and and seen it. Like anyone that you talk to is going to be like, oh, Red Green Duct Tape, uh, his nephew Harold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we've all seen it. We know. <laughs> um, yeah, because it it hasn't been like actively on the air for for quite a while, but I feel like it's one of those yeah, an institution in that just everyone saw it when it was on yeah i'm so happy uh, made in canada made it what is it called down there i think they called it the industry the industry interesting yeah yeah and that's how i found out about uh the tragically hip and like yeah yeah because they which, did the theme song i haven't done a full like deep dive into tragically hip but like that i do love that song that was the theme oh yeah they're they're wonderful that's another canadian institution that like i don't i made a little bit of news recently because uh the lead singer uh gord downey passed away yeah um but his their final concert they did because he he was diagnosed with uh with terminal cancer and they did one big final concert and Mm -hmm. it was it was weird how much the country shut down during that live broadcast of like it it was very clear that like oh everyone's watching this like every everything's kind of come to a standstill today because we all are watching the live broadcast of the final hip concert i believe it was during the edmonton fringe festival here and so they had it on like all the tvs on all the bars on white avenue and like yeah it was it was a little bit spooky but a very cool cultural moment um it's it's so bizarre to think that like we're so close like geographically yeah <laughs> but that there is a, a completely different like pop culture within canada that americans don't totally know about like yeah but I mean, i'm sure that you guys know a lot of our pop culture yeah i think it's a weird like one-way mirror thing because because i feel like we get the majority of I, I i don't know i don't live down there but i feel like we get the majority <laughs> of american pop culture but then also we have like one or two other things that we're really into that don't cross over the other direction kind of thing. And it seems weird that like if both countries had their own little niches, it would make more sense. But it's like, no, we, we know all about your stuff, but also tragically hip. We're, we're big into that. <laughs> what come like, I mean, you talked about meeting Josh in high school and doing yeah. the radio stuff. What comes first? Do you do the musical comedy or a sketch comedy? Um, right now I'm kind of balancing both cause I'm also a part of a group called the debutantes. Uh, but what, what happened first? Like, Oh, I like pursued musical first. Yeah. I, I would say pursued musical comedy first. Definitely. Okay. Uh, it was kind of a weird, it, it was sort of both at once because the initial idea was, was that, uh, that really great thing, uh, comedians sometimes do where we were trying to be ironically terrible, like really bad, but we knew it. And that was the joke. And we thought that was that was very revolutionary. And in time, we were like, no, this is just annoying. Putting up bad music on YouTube and winking <laughs> at it is not a thing that anybody wants. No, no one wants to waste their time on this. Uh, and then, yeah, as time went on, I feel like we we sort of started to care more about the music and start to try and, and write things like we happened to uh, stumbled across, across a couple of good hooks and we were like, oh, now we care about this. Uh, <laughs> so that definitely developed. And then from there, we we started expanding a little bit more into into the sketch side of things and trying to do, you know, more high concept stuff. Were, were you a fan of musical comedy? Like, I mean, Flight of the Concords is the big one. I, I've been a, a huge fan of them okay. as long as they've been a thing. Uh, 
Yeah, it's a weird question because often I feel like musical comedy gets a really bad rap. We've kind of uh, played with that expectation a little that like mm-hmm. aside from a couple of standouts like, you know, everyone Flight of the Concords or Tenacious D or whatever. Often when you're at a stand up show and a comedian steps up on stage with a guitar, you know, it's about to be the worst five minutes of that stand up show. Like it's it often ends up being like, oh, these are all the jokes that don't quite work as jokes and songs that don't quite work as songs but together they're almost something uh and musical comedy kind of gets that reputation of like like it's not quite music or comedy it's just this lazy mashup uh and so we try and subvert that wherever we can and try and really uh uh bring uh play with people's expectations (laughs) i don't know how much i want to rag on them right now but because i actually do love them but like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, recently, like, are you familiar with Garfunkel and Oates? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched uh, their. Uh, was it just one season that their show ran for? I think so. Yeah, then I've watched right. their whole show. <laughs> <laughs> um, like you know, they're a pretty sizable musical comedy duo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I love their first couple like uh, albums, but their last couple songs that they've released, like like single, like as singles or as just music videos haven't haven't stacked up i haven't heard them myself so i'm I'm not sure there there's a a really odd trend to them where like they are so verbose and so like if you printed out the lyric sheets of them it would look like a college essay to me like they're so (laughs) long like yeah and that starts to kind of play with the the you know it working as a a piece of music and and being you know catchy and memorable if you're if you've got this doctoral thesis yeah like it's like in there it goes like Verse, chorus, verse, chorage. Five paragraph essay is the bridge. Oh man! And then the chorus again. Like it, it. Like I don't know. There's like a structure to the the musical comedy that I feel like some people don't appreciate. Yeah. Well, there's definitely tricks to it. Uh, we we've um started doing workshops where we can at sketch festivals. Uh, and the way we generally bill it, Josh and I, is that like we we've learned a lot about writing musical comedy by making a lot of mistakes and doing it the wrong way for a long time, and eventually figuring it out. But uh, yeah, even just you know little things like uh, choruses in musical comedy can be really tricky because if you're making a big joke in your chorus, it, you know you get that laugh the first time, and then if it comes back each time, it's just going to be diminishing returns because we've heard the joke once, kind of thing. Right. Uh, so finding ways to like subvert that and either shake up your lyrics change things up or use the verses to reframe the chorus so that when it hits the second time it has a new context of in some way so that you're not just hearing the exact same punchline a second time because it really can right, just like, like die over the course of a, of a three minute song and that's totally what i was thinking about like how a chorus like just by definition in a pop song like is supposed to be repetitive and memorable yeah, you, you have you have to fall into that trap. Yeah, you need that if hook. you're doing this comedy. Yeah, but you also need to to keep yeah reframing it in some way, or else you just lose people. Um, yeah, and we've I feel like over the course of uh, of our career, if you can call it that, uh, like looking at each album, you can see less and less repetitive choruses. Where like the first album, probably every song had a chorus that repeats you know word for word and by the most recent one there's maybe one song that does that uh and the rest of them all like bring new lyrics to the table every time because mm. it just you gotta keep people uh keep people interested uh so how long into the time as success 5000 do, do you start like pursuing 
regular sketch comedy as well? Uh, I believe I'm trying to think of when this would have been like, they've always been a little bit tied up in each other. Even our, in our early videos, we started like, uh, trying to add little elements of storylines and we'd put up a song, but then there'd be 30 seconds afterwards of us, uh, riffing on something or like setting Mm -hmm. up a little plot thread. So like very quickly, I would say we, we started to blend those things. Um, and I think it actually ended up, uh, Josh and I are both members of this other group, the debutantes in Edmonton who, who run a a biweekly sketch comedy show. And once that kind of started up, uh, which would have been, uh, four years into the success 5,000 endeavor, maybe more uh, that kind of helped to streamline things. Cause I think having an outlet for writing full fledged sketch comedy allowed us to kind of focus in and in, in success and just be more about musical comedy and, and kind of straighten out what we were doing uh, rather than trying to be all things all at once. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I definitely feel like having, having different outlets has helped strengthen us and, and make us a better musical act. Cause we're not trying to, uh, sneak a storyline in kind of thing. And then how did the deb- the debutantes come together? Uh, that was uh, a local comedian by the name of Liam Kreswick, who uh, he just has been a big fan of sketch comedy uh, and wanted to see something happening here in Edmonton. But there, there really wasn't much of a sketch scene here until very recently. Uh, and yeah, so he rounded up a bunch of uh, stand-ups and improv uh, people and, and actors and, and whatnot basically yeah it formed a little super group of anyone that he thought would be fun to work with and started writing sketch comedy uh and yeah for several years we were writing sketch with really nowhere to perform it we would try and go up on open mic stand-up situations and and that always goes poorly with sketch comedy because <laughs> uh and people are you know there's one guy on a microphone and then another guy on a microphone and then eight people with no microphone all yelling at you about <laughs> something that you're not paying attention to uh so it was really yeah really rough for a while and we tried to put on our own sketch comedy shows but with no reputation it was kind of hard to get people to come out and see a group they'd never heard of uh and yeah eventually we we landed on uh we we started up a bi-weekly kind of variety show where that we now uh book and and host uh that's been running for the last three years called odd wednesday uh, and that's kind of helped to give us an outlet for somewhere to perform and has also seen the formation of a bunch more sketch comedy acts because now there's there's a stage for it. Um, and there's been a ton of development outside of our show as well. There's a, a new comedy space and stuff. There's, there's been just an, a huge expansion of the scene. I don't want to make it sound like we're taking all of the credit for sketch comedy in, in Alberta, but uh, we're, we're yeah, I feel like we were a cr- contributing factor to that. And now there's a, a really thriving scene here. Yeah, I talked to most of the members of Marvin Berry because they had come to Philadelphia last year. Yeah. Um, And I kept making the same joke that, like, who would have thought that, first off, looking at a map, Edmonton is so far north. Like, yeah, very, in, very In terms north. of the continent, like, who would have thought that there's like, a, a comedy, like, boom happening in a town that far up in a desolate province <laughs> yeah in I, canada like i feel like we uh we i'm just picturing like <laughs> we go i'm we picturing just like lot. ice and moose and oil fields like that's all that's up there <laughs> whenever i think of like edmonton because i mean oil fields because you have the oilers so yeah. that has to be a thing absolutely um, for, and... for better and for worse we're uh <laughs> we're not super proud of it at this moment in time but it's it's the industry for sure <laughs> um so like uh what like i mean you mentioned 
and I, th- I believe they also mentioned that like the Edmonton Fringe Festival is like at least like in the top 10 size wise like I want to say it, it was like it's a big deal it was the second largest in the world just to like Edinburgh being the first I want to say we're like third or fourth now I, I don't think we we still have that second ranking but like gigantic yeah there's like 300 shows every summer and it's it's wild um yeah and and that's it is an odd thing for like you would you would picture that being in vancouver or toronto or montreal or one of the more like cultural hubs of canada and and it's super weird that that's edmonton's claim to fame but but i'm not complaining because it's uh it's huge it feels like the the two weeks in every year when you can actually make money doing theater, which is a, a weird thing. So what is it about like Edmonton that you think actually has become like this thriving art scene? I mean, yeah, part of it is, is I think, yeah, we are a very Northern city uh, with, with long brutal winters. And I feel like we cling to comedy a little bit cause we, we need it. We need to keep our spirits up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's been, it's just been a lot of hard work by a very small dedicated group of, of comedians building this scene up uh, kind of from the ground up. Uh, and it's it's definitely exploded in the last little while. I feel like particularly like weirder and more alternative comedy has started to find its stride. Uh, there was definitely lots of like open mic rooms for the longest time that kind of laid the foundation. And it's only recently that that there's been enough of a scene that it can start to kind of get niche, uh, which I really appreciate because I've always been a very niche comedian. I, I won't knock the like, the more kind of standard rooms, but I, I, I really dig getting, getting weird with it. Um, yeah. The, the idea of having a space where you can get weird, like, like getting weird at a normal comedy club just seems like you're setting yourself up for failure. Like, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it can get into that thing where, uh, when you've got, got a standard room, uh, especially in a place like Edmonton, it can get pretty, uh, pretty blue and pretty raunchy and pretty, shitty i mean there can yeah uh there's a lot of a lot of that going on and and especially when like when it starts to go that direction it almost feels like this weird arms race of like who can cross the line furthest and hardest and it's just mm-hmm. not my my bag at all no disrespect to anyone who's uh who's working that uh that edgy comedy but i'm I'm just not really here for it so it's nice to have spaces where that's not happening and you're not feeling like oh well i gotta you know I gotta say something awful just to get anyone to pay attention to me. You can right. kind of, yeah, trust that you've got the audience on your side, and yeah, it's very nice. Uh, so tell me more about the debutantes. Like, what's the style that you all try to do within your show? That was it Odd Wednesday. Yeah, uh, I we was very, very absurdist kind of stuff. Uh, very, uh, I feel like we're very concept heavy. Where I, a lot of sketch comedy I see is more character driven and kind of like, you know, based around, I feel like it's very SNL school of doing things of like, we've got this big wacky bombastic character and then we just put them in a situation and the situation doesn't matter a ton. That's interchangeable. The character is what drives the comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. And often ours is, is kind of the other way around where it's, you know, someone will come in with a, a premise of, of, you know, a specific twist on a, on a trope or something. And it builds outward from that um yeah we're also a very new sketch comedy troupe so we're still kind of trying to explore different different aspects of sketch and trying to incorporate those things into our comedy but uh yeah it's it's hard to explain comedy without (laughs) citing the like let me just summarize a sketch for you (laughs) well i think i mean you're going saying that you're more concept based than character based definitely helps like yeah we've got uh, i mean 
Uh, the, yeah, the, we've recently started posting some uh, some video sketches. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't want to just summarize sketches out here. <laughs> Never mind. Sure. Yeah, like yeah, because I think when people think of sketch comedy, they do tend to gravitate towards the characters because, especially like in the history of Silent Live. Yeah, like, that's what you remember, and, right? Like, yeah. Other ones like Mad TV or even like even Kids in the Hall to an extent, like you remember the recurring characters, the stuff that happened over and over again that they've done. Yeah. And I, we definitely uh, have these like bombastic characters, but they often grow out of the premise of like, we've got, we've mm-hmm. got a couple of sketches starring these kind of uh, high energy, loudmouth pitchmen uh, that are, that are pitching an idea at the audience. Uh, but it definitely like that grew out of the initial pitch concept. And then from there it was, well, well, who's delivering this and what are these characters like? Uh, and we we've landed on some pretty fun and, and bombastic characters, but it it had to grow outward from the concept, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which I feel like is just a different writing. I feel like every group has their own style and that's just the way we always attack comedy is, is premise first. Uh, All right. So Success 5000 is releasing a new album. Yes. Very uh, about it. What is the process of writing? An album you know as a comedy thing like like there's there a central theme or is this just a collection of songs that you guys have been working on for the last couple of years um uh, it's a little bit of both for sure uh we uh definitely really uh we write slowly and and over the process of a long time of like we'll, we'll one song at a time and kind of workshop it at different open mics and stuff and and rewrite it as we go um and then yeah it's definitely once we've got you know five to ten songs workshopped that uh that haven't been released or recorded yet that's kind of when we start sitting down and thinking about an album but there's definitely a a thematic element too where once we've we've hit that point we try and figure out what's going to work well together and support each other on an album and what maybe doesn't fit this particular theme uh so with the most recent one it's uh, our new album is called it'll be okay uh probably by the time this comes out it'll be on spotify and itunes and everywhere else so please feel free to check it out uh (laughs) And yeah, that one grew out where we have a the the final track on the album is called "It'll Be Okay," uh, and it's a very uh, very heartfelt and earnest tune about the world just being on fire right now. We all, everyone's aware that, that things are pretty rough in the world right now. Uh, not everybody. I'm not gonna say everybody's that's aware. True. Fair enough. There's there's a, there's a bunch of people out there that are like, this is okay. There's denial like, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. So we tried to kind of pair stuff that would would play in that space a little bit. And mm-hmm. there's there's some oddballs on the album for sure. But it all kind of runs through that uh, that theme of um, trying to be hopeful in in a world on fire. You'd mentioned earlier, and I completely skipped over it because I uh, thought of something else. Uh. So you and Josh are both in the debutantes. Yeah. And you're the 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 creative duo behind behind uh success five thousand you have other musicians help you out but like you're the core yeah yeah um what is it like working with the same person in two different spheres like that I'm always curious like because there's a like here in Philadelphia there's a bunch of people that like oh we do have this duo but we're part of this large larger group too so I always wonder like you know now it's a little different because one's a musical act. And the other one's sketch comedy, but like, how do you know which ideas for what? Like, how does that process work for you? Yeah, uh, well, and I, I 
have that debate all the time with myself too, because I also occasionally do uh, web comics and uh, and I write stuff for the fringe. And so as often I'll land on a comedic idea and be like, wait, is this a song or a sketch or a play or a comic? What is this? I don't know which way it needs to go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll uh, I'll try it in multiple forms and and be like, no, it wasn't a sketch. Maybe it's a song. Um, but yeah, I feel like working with Josh in two different contexts has been has been really interesting. We definitely have a, a groove uh, with, with Success 5000. It's it's 90% of the time, it's just the two of us working together. Uh, so we definitely have kind of found our, our rhythm and, and our way to collaborate. Uh, and then in the debutantes, you've got a lot more voices at the table. I feel like if anything, we kind of, uh, yeah, we, we inject our own brand of weirdness into that sphere and, and often... We're, we're each other's biggest fans when one of us brings a sketch to the table, the <laughs> other one is the one that likes it the best kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, definitely that, that working relationship translates over. Um, is that like, is that a, an issue? Does that ever become an issue with the debutantes where the two of you like are so gung ho about each other's work? <laughs> I hope not. I, uh, <laughs> not from our end. Is that something I should ask the other people? Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. Debutantes? Talk to the other debutantes. <laughs> Be like, Oh, those fucking guys <laughs> I hate working with them. Um, no, I think, uh, I think it's cool because we also get to see different sides of each other that, that don't necessarily come out in the, in the musical comedy side of things. Like Josh is, is, is a really strong actor and, and is, uh, does brilliant character work that often, doesn't have room to breathe in in the space of a two or three minute song but uh mm-hmm. i always it's it's nice to be reminded of like oh yeah he's really good at, at this side of things like uh nice to be able to see him to do that and and i can get very verbose and i mean like you were talking about with the garfunkel and oats songs you only have so much room in a in a three minute song to cram jokes in there so it's nice to be unleashed on a five minute sketch and just be able to every joke i want can make it in <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I imagine, like, I don't know, hmm, how should I say this? <laughs> uh, the, the idea of, a, like, a, the laugh per minute ratio um, is definitely different with musical comedy versus a sketch. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, either the crowd expects a different... I don't know, like, how, like, what the actual, like, mathematical would be. But like there's a there's like a, a different expectation between a musical piece of comedy versus a sketch or a stand up or something else. Like absolutely, yeah. I actually think that's one a uh, thing that we've tried to bring into our writing with musical comedy. It's a thing we noticed about musical comedy is it's often like the punchlines can be very spaced out and there can be large portions of a musical comedy song that aren't funny in and of themselves and the way we've always tried to attack our writing is like what if we bring that stand-up or sketch sensibility in of like keeping that laugh per minute ratio up and trying to like put in extra jokes uh, and keep it so that like we you shouldn't go a whole verse without a laugh and and have to wait for the chorus for that payoff like what if we we keep it punchy all the way through uh, not that we're the only people doing that, but I feel like it's uh, it's definitely helped our writing for sure. The more we've tried to to do that punch up process, yeah. Like, because I mean, just thinking about your own work, uh, one of my favorite songs from that last album was uh, "My Big Dumb Heart," and like, it's funny, funny, funny. But there's the biggest laugh for me personally. Yeah, is the run with the cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like <laughs> I was like, I know what you're gonna say, <laughs> like. <laughs> You know, cats and children. Like you yeah. just, you don't cats with other cats. Like that's the the funniest part of the the song to me. Yeah, 
where there's definitely like cleverness and wordplay and other things of like the spacing out the big laugh versus small little incremental laughs or you know that little like wink and nod cleverness yeah for sure that one definitely has a build to it where other ones get you know laughs on on multiple lines that one is is a slow burn and then hits we've got one on the new album that is uh that is very similar to that and, and it's something that I, I have to remind myself that it, it can be okay to delay that big payoff uh and, and can often strengthen that that punchline if you if you delay it a little bit and make the audience work for it uh but yeah we've got one on the new album that's a breakup song uh the 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 chorus of which is is maybe i'm the problem here uh and we kind of delay that reveal through the verse where it it kind of (laughs) just sounds like a standard breakup song Mm -hmm. until that chorus hits uh and the and the last line of the verse is oh shit maybe i'm the problem here and the room always just erupts at that that (laughs) beat uh and it's such a it can be uncomfortable playing that first verse and like, ah, uh, uh, we're losing them. We got to we got to get to that <laughs> chorus. And then it always, you know, that hits and, and the rest of the song is dynamite. So that's yeah, it, it's it's a weird thing to play with those those spacings of the laughs. Yeah. Am I missing anything else in your comedy career? Like, is it ju- is it basically success? Five thousand debutantes like are those your two major yeah, those are the big ones for sure. Um, Success has also recently been doing uh, some some uh, theatrical offerings at the at the Fringe festivals and whatnot. Obviously, the, yeah, the Fringe is huge here in Edmonton, so we always try and have something for that. Uh, and then the yeah, so last summer we did a show called Double Booked. Uh, it was just Josh and I. Uh, we built it as a two man one man show. The idea was mm-hmm. uh, two different. Oh, each of us had a one man show in the fringe that accidentally got double booked on the same stage. And so we both come out to do our show and have to figure out who gets to finish their, their one man production and ultimately end up kind of merging them into one, one mishmash of a show. Uh, and it, oh, that's fun. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a fun show to do and, and got a really good reception here. So we're actually touring it to a few Canadian fringes. I feel like, I don't know if this is a great uh, promotional opportunity. If anyone in Philadelphia is, uh, is coming out to Winnipeg, Edmonton or, uh, <laughs> uh saskatoon check out our fringe run next year it's gonna be great um saskatoon like, yeah that's yeah, a weird one <laughs> um the whole thing of saskatchewan like that's just the that's a weird word yeah it's a it's a <laughs> strange it's a strange place i love it there saskatoon is beautiful <laughs> we've, we've been a couple of times now but uh yeah not uh not one that makes it into you know you, you hear in in uh american pop culture and in movies and stuff you hear vancouver and toronto get mentioned occasionally maybe calgary you're not you're not hearing saskatoon that one's not coming up you're you're barely hearing edmonton unless you're a hockey fan exactly yeah um Uh, but that that process was really cool doing this fringe show because we ended up uh being able to rework a lot of our early material including the the song we kicked off the show with today that makes an appearance in our fringe show uh because we needed a bunch of bad material for our individual one-man shows that we could eventually uh by by combining the two shows it gets much better but the joke initially is that both of the shows are pretty pretty terrible uh and so that's actually my my introduction is that song you heard uh we kind of play with a little cut it up to make it sound even clunkier than uh than it would have been otherwise um but yeah it's been kind of fun giving some of our early stuff new life through these later projects and like Oh, now we know we, we we write a lot better stuff, but we can work this joke back in in a new way, uh, and kind of mm. poke fun at ourselves in the process, which is always fun. Nice, yeah. Uh, as you're wrapping up, I asked the same two questions at the end. Uh, okay, what 
is a piece of information like what's a piece of knowledge what's a piece of wisdom that you've acquired through your time of doing comedy whether musical or, or just plain sketch that you would pass on to a new writer oh yeah it's a that's a big question mm-hmm. um i'm creating my own sketch curriculum like asking all these people all these different questions just just passing on all this information as my own like yeah that's now. that's wonderful um I think going into writing comedy, I had a, a, a idea that, yeah, that, that certain things I would write and I would be like, it's okay that this, this first part is uh, not as funny or is, is inscrutable for whatever reason. Like it's, you know, it's, it's art and, and people are going to, you know, the big joke at the end is going to be enough payoff. And I feel like just always, always edit, always punch things up, work more jokes in where you can don't do this this thing of like oh i i have the piece has integrity and and it doesn't need more it can always be funnier it can absolutely always be funnier and get that outside input get other eyes on it take that criticism and and make it the best it can be don't try and uh stand as an auteur (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah i don't I don't know how much auteur theory works with sketch comedy as it does in film. Yeah, not not at all, in my <laughs> opinion. Just yeah. Collaborate, get that get that input, take that criticism, you know, be be heard about it and then get over it and be better. Yeah. Um and finally, uh I mean, you're in the, the wilds of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. <laughs> why why it sound like a wasteland up here? <laughs> Well, I mean, what's the population? Uh, what is the? I'm I'm googling it just because I don't want to get this wrong. <laughs> population of Edmonton is nine hundred thirty-two thousand people. Okay, bigger than I expected. And I'm yeah, not gonna yeah. lie. So that's that's not awful. Like that's bigger <laughs> than a lot of a lot of American cities. But yeah, it's no New uh, York, but it's something. <laughs> it's no New York. A little bit smaller than Philadelphia, but yeah. Uh, what's uh, why is it comedy? Why why do you spend your uh, free time, your pursuit? Like, why does comedy, the, what's hooked you so hard? Uh, I feel like it's it's what keeps you sane. It's what, what makes the world uh, make sense and makes the world bearable. Uh, as as things can get pretty dark as they have recently, That, that you need that outlet to kind of process what's going on in the world. It's less of a like, what what do I like about comedy and what's drawn me to comedy and more like, why do I have to do comedy? It's it's a necessity at this point, I feel like. Mm. Uh, and yeah, just it's it's the way of making the world, if not make sense, then just like just processing and 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 reframing it in a way that's that's uh, that's manageable. <laughs> yeah. That's a darker uh, answer than I meant to give, but I'm sticking no, by it. <laughs> no, I always ask because I, I love ending on like that philosoph- like philosophical, like, I don't know, I just kind of need to do it. Like there's like, because that's been a very much a, a recurring thing of like, no, it's a need now. It's a compulsion. Yeah, absolutely. I, I Of think how to frame uh, everything. Yeah. I think that would be shared amongst most, most comedians you would ask. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks so much for, uh, for having me on. It's been, yeah. it's been awesome chatting with you. As we mentioned in our chat, Success 5000 is releasing a new album called It'll Be Okay. I've listened to it. And I really dug it. 
It will officially come out with a release party at the Grindstone Theater in Edmonton on February 7th. Then the album will be available wherever you do your streaming or downloading. Then Success 5000 and the Debutantes will be heading to Toronto Sketchfest, with Success 5000 performing on March 14th and 15th, and the Debutantes performing March 15th and 16th. Follow Success 5000 on Twitter at success underscore 5000, and you can like both of those acts on Facebook. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Iom. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. <laughs>